0: What's up, my miners of intelligence and consciousness? I'm Rick Brooks, and this is Rick's Mind. Today with me, I have a good buddy of mine, Chris Casillas, and we're going to get into the world of bees and beekeeping and being barefoot. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Chris. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Dude, anytime, man. So this is the first podcast coming. Chris is coming at us live from the woods right now and uh we were kind of talking a little bit about this off air you are barefoot how often do you go barefoot dude
1: you know not as often as i'd like um usually when it's uh not outrageously hot weather but i like to take my dog out we just went to angel's rest about two weeks ago out in the gorge and that was probably one of the best hikes you can ever do barefoot
0: yeah i've done that hike and a lot of elevation gain beautiful views but like, are you training your feet? Like, is that the goal? Are you trying to get that wide spread it, spread in your toes? Is that what you're going for?
1: No, I mean, I guess those are good benefits, just secondary, but my main intention is just to just get back out into nature, just ground myself. It seems like it's more effective like to take advantage of the time that you have when you're out in nature, because it's not very often that you have just an abundance of time out in the wilderness. So if you can maximize the amount of time that you have to get the most benefit, it's probably pretty good. So I could go barefoot, and it seems to really help a lot in terms of grounding myself and focusing and just taking in the environment, just actually just being present, being here.
0: Yeah. So how did you get into this? And, and just for the listeners that don't know, and I could be wrong here, grounding is, it's something that I, I don't know if there's any science behind this to Margaret maybe pull that up. But like, when you go barefoot, you feel more connected to the earth or, or something of that nature. I don't know what, why it's good. But can you kind of share, share with us a little bit about why you do this?
1: Yeah, I I personally don't know any scientific research about it either. It's just my personal experience is I spent, I don't know, off topic, I uh, spent a majority of my life just being high all the time, like 10 years straight, just smoking weed every day. And mm-hmm. so I had really too much uh, just experiences of just being grounded, being connected to the, to the earth. I was floating in the clouds. So I realized over time that if I can uh, kind of shift a little bit and ground myself in different kind of just balance myself then it's going to have some better aspects and better impact on the way that i think Ooh. And so I started doing it and it's it's helped
2: perfect
0: what do you what do you got to
2: uh, so it? i did i found one uh one scientific article published in j environ public health uh by a group of scientists six scientists called uh Earthing, Health Implications of Reconnecting the Human Body to the Earth's Surface Electrons, and in the abstract it does detail that grounding refers to the discovery of benefits including better sleep and reduced pain from walking barefoot outside or sitting, working, or sleeping indoors connected to conductive systems that transfer the Earth's electrons from the ground into the body, and then the paper goes through all of these critical and actually like significant uh, data that there is, but there does seem to be some sort of uh, definite like uh, benefits to it. I'll put the link in the show notes. Thank you. Yeah, and
0: I, I, I'm pretty sure. I don't know if I read that paper, but I've definitely heard something about it. It's not something I do enough of. I definitely get out in nature. Um, and it was kind of interesting because there's this TikToker that stopped wearing shoes like two years ago, and his feet, his toes have completely spread out, and he has way more mobility and flexibility in his feet or they've got you know big calluses on them and i mean that's the way we're designed to interact with the planet right is to just be barefoot um and a lot of the health problems we have bunions uh Shitty arches, whatnot, are all caused from shoes. So it makes a lot of sense, and a lot of people try to wear naked. I've seen, you know, the Vibrams, the the shoes with very little sole in them, um, and it's it's interesting. Um, and there's not a lot of like parasites and stuff in the Western uh, that that get in through your sh- uh, through your feet. There are in like the Amazon places like Africa that that might be not not be the best idea. But um, I definitely think that there's something to that. I, I'd something that I need to do more of is to go barefoot. So I'm all for this dude. So, and another question I wanted to get into is bees, bro. You're a beekeeper. And that is kind of what, I don't know any beekeepers. I met one guy that ran this company called Bee local. I think he sold, sold it, but um, I was just kind of curious how you got into this trade.
1: Yeah, it's it's not very not not every day that you stumble into something like that. Um I was lucky enough that my dad, he um he drives liquid semi trucks, so uh, sugar tankers to mm-hmm. um Coca Cola and ice cream and different places like that. And so he delivers to all the biggest beekeepers in the country or in the state, right? So uh, beekeepers, they need to supplement their feed for their hives uh, when there's no nectar flow going on. So that way they don't starve out in the winter. So over the years, he ended up uh, connecting with a lot of the biggest beekeepers in the state and uh, realized there's a pretty good amount of money to be made in that industry. It's uh, growing and thriving right now at a record rate. And also uh, on the Flip side, you've got uh, the wild bee population is just getting decimated, uh, near near the brink of extinction. Pretty soon, at the rate things are going, so it's kind of a a, a double double power. If you're if you want to make money, then it's it's a good thing. But you're also helping the environment, helping people eat, and helping just the the ecosystem around you by uh, just providing thriving bees for the planet.
0: Absolutely, one of the things that I found interesting because I've kind of looked into this bee tobacco, um, honeybees are not native to the North America. We're, we're taught, so the, 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 the extinction that's going on, There are they're, they're like bumblebees and other types of pollinators, correct? Is, is that the one you're referring to? Because that blew my mind because the honeybees that we have here are either South America, African, or some sort of hybrids that we've, we've created but we're worried about the native pollinators which demargan pull that up native north american pollinators because I don't know all the species but like is that what we're concerned about because i feel like a lot of people get that mixed up they're like no it's honeybees I'm like no 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 none of those are native any insights on that
1: yeah that that's correct that they're not native um but when you had when we first brought bees to north america um back in i I don't remember when, early, early 1800s, and we brought him over by boat. And they un- end up swarming in certain times of the year if the hives get too big. And that's nature's way of repopulating the, the population, uh, kind of just reproducing. So you turn one hive into two when they swarm. So you end up getting a lot of wild hives just as a byproduct of having bees in North America. And so that, so like you said, yeah, we're worried about the the native population, but they're not really the contributors to really the, the food crop. They're ma- mainly like at higher elevations and mountainsides and different kinds of flowers but you've got uh, a lot of a lot of the the food industry of what we are trying to prevent from collapsing is based off of uh, actual honeybees that people brought in
2: okay home. okay what was that good uh so we've got i found a i mean there's a bigger list than this but the biggest ones uh are there are a lot of and i do i do know this my my wife is really interested in bees there's a lot of like solitary most native pollinating bees are solitary bees so they don't they don't have hives, they pollinate and they like, you know, like uh carpenter bees or, uh, there's a few others, but, um, butterflies are big ones, bats, hummingbirds, moths, beetles, uh, types of flies. Uh, let's see. Those are the big ones. Um, let's see solitary bees, bumblebees, butterflies and moths, bats and hummingbirds seem to be the biggest ones.
0: Okay. So, in terms of the extinction level event that we're talking about regarding hun- regarding the honeybees the reason that we're so concerned about this is because of our food store or our, our crops okay that makes a lot more i don't know why my brain didn't link that together um, we're going to i'm going to try to not turn this into a bummer cast which uh, <laughs> we're going down this road because I want to bring up the soil degradation and this, how we're this bummer of-
2: cast is entirely on you. I'm silent. This is that's you. Exa- exactly. <laughs> and
0: that's enough to Marco. You don't encourage us No, but um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I didn't think about that. Uh, you get paid by people in California, such as almond farmers, avocados, to send your hives down there for them to pollinate. Correct yes and the other thing that i wanted to know um is are the hives that are not wild but are in captivity or that you're farming right are those in danger too are you seeing the same types of things that are affecting the wild bee population and it's kind of a two-part question uh the next one is what is killing our bees
1: yeah that's a great question because we definitely are um in a battle trying to keep bees alive, um, beekeepers as well as just the natural population. The, the biggest threat came probably got really identified about 20 years ago. Um, it's called, uh, the varroa mite. And that's kind of like a, a flea or a tick that's been latching onto honeybees and then sneaking into the hive basically. Mm-hmm when they bring those uh, mites back and they'll leach into the, the brood pattern, which is the eggs that the queen lays. And they'll suck a lot of the juices and nutrients out of these growing larvae. And they end up growing deformities and damaged wings and just uh, pass on a lot of viruses. And that's been uh, heavily contributing to just the massive die-offs of hives. Uh, right around this time of year is when you'll start seeing the devastating impact of these mites. Um, so that's been a really big problem that never was um, a huge problem in the past, because right now we've got a unique um, thing with beekeepers is there's so many uh, industrial beekeepers with thousands of hives in close proximity, and that helps the spread of these mites to just grow rapidly and they just decimate hives and they just move on to the next one and just spread around and that's what's causing these things to thrive in a way that's becoming destructive to the actual ecosystem of the the honeybees. In the past you couldn't there wasn't a problem because there were so there weren't enough bee population, enough bee hives in in a certain area for these mites they would just die out after they kill their host. So that's been probably the biggest contributor to the the honeybee die-off right now, but it's not the only one.
0: Uh, what what are some of the other ones? If if you are you aware?
1: Yeah, yeah. So another one, it's uh, it's kind of kind of a problem is monocropping right now. You don't have that huge biodiversity anymore of certain kinds of pollens and nutrients that they would gather that would create a a dynamic enough uh, buffet for them to eat on to to get the right nutrients that they need. So in the past, you used to have a ton of different flowers, a ton of different uh, crops that were just just randomly spread about and they would be able to find them now you've got maybe a quarter mile to a mile of just monocrop one thing after another and it's just one solid field of corn or something like that and then the farmers they'll go and spray everything that's not corn (sighs) Biodiversity has gone down which has been a problem as well not not a huge catastrophe but it's 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 another obstacle then you've got um get a lot of pesticides and a lot of Roundup. Roundup has come out as one of the biggest contributors to what's killing bees as well. Because what happens when somebody sprays Roundup, even if it's just on dandelions in your neighborhood, when a bee comes along and lands on that dandelion to gather some pollen, then that Roundup that's been sprayed will basically disengage that gps system on that bee and he no longer she's no longer able to find her way back to the hive anymore she gets confused and is just ends up dying out in the wilderness she can't find a way back
0: fuck Ooh, that's an uphill battle i did not that i had no idea about the lack of biodiversity so i'm learning something right now as well
2: that's super cool um what oh so, i was just gonna throw in uh currently we are living during the holocene extinction event we're like we're on pace for what 95 percent extinction i think like that of all known species okay demar that is enough from you sir it's because facts, you're, you sorry. are
0: no, no you are now bringing the podcast into the bummer zone and we're not <laughs> we're avoiding that uh <laughs> Sorry, Chris. It is uh, uh, I don't know if you've listened to the show or not, but this is an ongoing theme where we try to stay away from bummer topics. And um, sometimes we just, we lean into it and get depressed. I but, can't help if reality is a bummer, dude. That's it. Closed mouth. You're on mute again. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> um, that is fascinating are now what do you do to mitigate that with your hives like um are 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 the farmers aware where you're sending your bees to pollinate are you only going to work with people that understand these issues and how how is that education going with our farmers cuz they're they're not the enemy these people very they care about the land like that's how they make their money right so um is there a lot of education going on for farmers
1: yeah yeah this is so it's not all doom and gloom so we are making headway we're we're coming back from the brink so things things are going okay now um right now farmers you know they've been so busy doing what they do which is making food they don't really have m- enough time to do anything else because you know they're busy making food taking care of their family doing doing the things that they do now we've got um a lot of people coming out and if like, for instance, I'll go out and talk to the farmer and tell him, look, if you want, I can give you guys some some flower seeds, some different things that will grow at a certain time of year that would otherwise have a, a drought for these bees. If you want, I can give you these seeds for free. You can just throw them anywhere you want that's out of the way, and that will help immensely and they're totally usually fine with that because it takes them five seconds and they don't have to do too much it just grows themselves and you know like lavender or just different sunflowers or different things like that that are pretty low maintenance that just just help a little bit just supplement that uh, bio, lack of biodiversity and they're usually willing to to compensate because they need the bees as well if they don't have the bees then they'll usually so what bees do when you pollinate it it doubles to triples the yield of, uh, of a farmer's crop So it's highly beneficial to have these bees. If you don't have them, it just makes them not get as much money. So they're more than willing to cooperate, which is good. That's awesome. Are there any bee
0: keepers that just drive their hives up to the Mount Hood National Forest during the spring and just let them go? Anybody do that? I mean, I feel like there'd be a lot of risk involved in that. You'd have to worry about wild animals and stuff. But I mean, you're going to have to worry about that technically on the farm as well. But like, uh, are there people that do that?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's different there's ways to to run your hives. I know some people, they'll say, I've got them out in the mountains in Silverton. I took out because I came back one time and bear ran through seven of my hives and totally decimated them. That was a sad day. Yeah. But that's, you know, just part, part of the thing. There, it, so it is good to place them in, in areas that are low, low population in terms of other bees. So there's less competition and just a high, a high yield of different forage for them. So there's there's a lot of things, but there's, there's all kinds of ways you can run bees. I know this one beekeeper, he's got about 2,000 hives that he runs. Wow. And literally just ship them out to the Nevada desert, in the middle of the desert. This is the craziest thing. And he'll just uh, supplement feed with sugar, sucrose, and water. And give him uh, pollen supplements, and give all his bees just the just artificial just nutrition for them, and they they still do their thing. They manage to grow up, and then they send them down to California for our almond paycheck, and do it again the next year. And it's the most artificial way to grow bees. It's, it's totally outlandish, but it, it gets the job done at the end of the day.
0: That is intense, man. That's I mean that he's he's kind of got that going on a, a full on uh, mass. Uh, in, like an industrial scale. It's like, no, we're going to just have artificial, we can get that arm almond paycheck and that's what we're going to do.
1: Yeah. yeah. He's a Russian. He, he doesn't care about any of the ethics. doesn't care about, <laughs> uh, you know, touchy feely, make these bees populate anything else. It's all about just the paycheck, which I mean, that's, <laughs> hey. just, that's just one story.
0: <laughs> yeah. To, for, to each his own, man. To each yeah. his own. I love Russian. So that, that's, that's such a, dude, I wanted to talk Great. to you about this because I'm, um, I'm obsessed I think it's a YouTube series called um, "Why So Expensive." Um, that's probably not the the right term. It's uh, it's it's Bloomberg Business or something like that. But it's about things that are very expensive. And one of the most expensive honeys is, I think it's New Zealand honey. Do, do you know anything about this? I do. Oh my god, dude! Let me please unload, dude. I know. I want to know everything from a beekeeper's perspective, because I. I had no fucking clue and I was blown away. So I'll let you take well,
1: it. Yeah, I... So there's there's a couple ways you can approach this. I think what they're doing is, is really good. It's great because uh, they're spreading awareness and they're also providing a very, very high quality form of honey. And they're providing it in a way that is helping a lot of people, especially with the, the placebo aspect, it, it makes people really believe that what they're ingesting is going to maximize their benefit, as opposed to just buying it from a store or buying it from a local beekeeper, because they, they're believing in this magical property of this honey. And I've, I've it boils down to their genius at marketing They've, they've mastered the marketing level of marketing their honey. And yeah, they've got this special little flower that they have that they gather this honey from, but it's not the core ingredient because they'll, they'll gather anything. They'll gather nectar from all kinds of different things. So it's not just one pure nutrient that they're getting their honey from. And any kind of honey that you get that is from a local source that's not been pasteurized is going to have those similar health benefits. Um, 100%. And so when it boils down to it, it's got a lot to do with the placebo effect and the, the marketing and, and all that. But one thing you do have to realize, if you're going to go buy honey from a store, Costco, Albertsons, whatever, by state law, it's mandatory that they pasteurize that honey, which means they heat treat that to over 180 degrees flash heating. And that will burn out any kind of nutrition, any kind of pollen, any kind of health benefit. So all you're really buying from a store is just a sugar replacement, just a sweetener. So there's really no health benefit at all. So in terms of if you're going to buy it from New Zealand from these guys, you're going to get a night and day difference. You're going to get some real health benefits. If you buy it from a local beekeeper or, some, or somebody at a, like a farmer's market, then you're going to get very similar benefits as well i think the secret comes from that placebo effect of really believing that what you're buying is the the highest quality top of the line thing and you paid the money and you're just a full-on you've got that belief in this product that this is going to do wonders for you and i think that's where that secret lies
0: i i couldn't agree with you more because essentially it's this special flower that that grows on the hillside of new zealand that their bees Eat and they pollinate and it just and they have this this extremely strict system of judging the honey and whatnot and I was just like ooh yes say that I uh, manuka honey is that what it is I don't know good with that it, that might be it Chris that's correct yeah manuka honey yeah so and it's um it's I, I mean, I smell bullshit all over it. Like, I just, I didn't necessarily. Absolutely
2: ahead. not. No, the stuff is legit. It's so freaking. <laughs> isn't, I'm, if I'm not correct or if I am correct, isn't the Manuka tree also where you get, it, it has something to do with tea tree oil as well? Like, it's part, it's like a flower from partially from the tree that you get tea tree oil from, or something like that?
1: I would, I would say, I think I've heard that before. Yeah. I don't know 100%. But so, yeah, there, there's definitely health benefits. But what, what I was getting at is that it's not a hundred percent concentrated and from the Manuka there's, it's a mixture of a bunch of other things as well. So, but in terms of, of honey, it is, it is probably one of the top of the line honeys, the highest, one of the highest quality honeys that you could get, um, but, yeah it's I don't know it's a fascinating thing they've done a great job uh, marketing as well as just getting it out there for people so if you if you believe in, in this honey is it's the the only way to go then then have at it because it's if, if it's working for you keep it up
0: it, but it costs like 200 300 bucks for a little jar of it so there's that um, yeah know yeah yeah no uh, but it was I, I thought that was fascinating um, and but I, I mean, I don't know. Apples and oranges, man. I feel like if you, you, you're, I feel like you're going to get the same shit here. I mean, especially if you take it to in the middle of the Mount hood national forest with all those flowers. I mean, I just, I don't see how I'll have to try it. I'll, I'll try it. But as far as health benefits, I mean, it's not going to increase my testosterone or make me huge. I'm not super interested in that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I saw that eye roll to Marco. How dare you? Um, <laughs> but one of the things, are you familiar with a guy named Paul Stamets? Like, um, do you know who Paul Stamets is? He's a mushroom.
1: I do, I do not know.
0: So these are my colleges. He's done a lot of things to save bees. And he thinks that,
1: <laughs> yes, I do. okay.
0: He thinks it has to do with mushrooms. Like there's a certain kind of mushroom, uh, I, I am totally talking out of my ass. So, Demarco, pull this up. It uh, has to do with a certain kind of mushroom that that gets rid of the the fungus or eats them. I don't know. It's some some really cool system that he figured out. Isn't that lion's,
2: lion's mane or something? I don't know. If it, I
0: don't know. I don't think it
1: doesn't it's sound right. A certain fungus that they can grow and they place it in the hive and it actually helps uh, fight the mite off. And
0: yes. Yes. Fun. That's yeah. that's that's and that's i mean that's coming from my brain i don't even know when i heard that years ago but like i i i I do remember thinking all right we're gonna be all right paul's figured it out we're gonna be good
2: yeah Uh, so it's a it's colonies they were fed uh mycelium extract from amado and Rishi fungi and it showed a 79 percent or 79 fold reduction in winged or deformed wing virus and a forty thousand five or four sorry, forty five thousand fold reduction in Lake Sinai virus.
1: Beautiful. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah they they I just heard from from their team uh the year before the pandemic, 2019, and they were they were making big headway. So they've got a lot of uh, research going on that now, and they've gotten the results back that it, it is uh, replicatable. So there's some good news coming down the pipeline on that front. Yeah, man.
0: I mean, there's a lot of good people that I think that this is something a problem that we'll solve because it affects all of us. It affects all of us. I mean, um, I d- like eat. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> yes uh rich poor doesn't matter it affects us all we all need to eat so i'm i'm hopeful on that front so what kind of species of bees are you using or what's kind of the most popular species of bee for for beekeepers
1: uh the apis mellifera is the the genus genus class uh the natural honeybee um the there's certain breeds certain um i guess genetic lines that you can get that are more effective than others depending on what you want and italians and um carnolians are the ones that i usually run and now because my hives have been mixed up so much uh just through through mating with each other um it's kind of a crude way to say it but for simplicity that's what's happening so the genetic lines are kind of mixing together and they're becoming more hybrid and they're very good because you've got your Carnolians, which are a darker kind of bee. They will go out and um, they're more sustainable, more resilient, and slower to grow in the beginning. But they, they're they more balanced throughout the year. So they maintain a, a higher population throughout the the later part of the year and winter better. Italians, they're, they're just amped up and ready to go right out of the gate and they just explode with the huge population and end up uh, dwindling down pretty quick around uh end of august september and it's sometimes harder to get them to overwinter and so it's it's kind of depends on what you want they're great honey producers so if you just want all just honey then italians are the way to go there's other other genetic lines as well but in terms of uh, getting for that almond pollination you that happens in february so you want strong hives going into winter so if you have carnolians or a hybrid of then that's usually the optimal way to go in my opinion
0: Okay, okay, that's and then uh, has anybody studied like wild hives and what their genetics are? Do you know anything about that?
1: Yeah, yeah, I I'm not a complete expert on on the wild hives. All what I've been told though is that the majority of them are just a swarm from an industrial beekeeper, and they'll usually only last a couple of years. Because right now, if you go out and find a wild honeybee hive, they're very young they don't live very long anymore at least in america in europe you can find wild hives that are out in trees that have probably been there for like close to 10 years 20 years even i've I've, i know a couple people who found some of those but in north america right now because of the the issues that we talked about earlier that it's, it's just not the wild honeybee hives can't compete they just die out nearly every year and sometimes they'll make it to two to three years but it's very rare
0: Shit, we gotta stop using chemicals, man. I'd love to find a hive that has <laughs> been been going. Um th- did you ever hear about the guy that had like an infestation of honeybees in his house? Yes,
1: <laughs> that's pretty wild though, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I My couldn't believe it.
1: I don't think he, he like
0: did. Balls. Go ahead, yeah. In the middle of his walls, I don't think he did anything to it. He just like kind of let it, let it. Demarco find that you got to share that, share the screen. He's looking because I remember. I don't know. I think I saw it on Reddit. Just he had a shit massive hive in his house, and he just. I don't know what he did. I don't remember, and that's okay.
2: You found it. I I didn't find. I don't know if I found the one you're talking about, but I found uh, an article from a week ago uh, in Italy. I believe. Let's see. No family bought a an 1872 farmhouse, and it had uh, roughly 400,000 bees inside the walls in Pennsylvania. This was okay. a, this a- is a week ago. Hmm.
1: There's some great videos on YouTube that you can look up, and if you ever want to, there's. Uh, People will come out. Beekeepers will come out. They'll cut a hole in your wall where where the hives are, and you can basically extract these bees out by pulling, identifying the queen, finding that queen, and then the rest of the bees will follow. So it's it's pretty hard to locate the queen in a mess like that, but it can be done. And there's some great videos to watch about it. It's kind of so they
0: they take the queen out the bees follow suit swarming the guys are all in their beat they their their bee hazmat shit <laughs> i don't know what it's called and and uh they just they just they just came up everyone wins like do, they got a new hive and correct i mean i've assumed that's what was going on
1: right yeah yeah what she'll do is you will just place them in in a box a honey box uh bee box whatever um uh, basically like a nucleus colony is what you would call it just a a starter hive and you can transport that wherever you want to you take them 50 miles down the road you can just place them in the backyard and just get them out of your house unless i i I know this one lady in portland that i was talking to two years ago and she was saying yeah i've got some bees in my walls and i like it they kind of keep me up at night sometimes but i really enjoy the sound so i'm just gonna leave them there and just let them keep growing
0: (laughs) dude that's intense i if it was me i think i would be like i'm down for this but i want some fucking honey like I don't, and I don't know how I would do it. I don't know how I'd go about getting that that honeycomb. I've never tried honeycomb. It's on my to-do list.
2: Um, what's up? I oh, well, I just I had a question uh, tantamount to this. If so, that lady she leaves the bees in their house in her walls. Are bees like? Are they destructive? Will they destroy, or will they kind of like form their little barrier, or whatever, for their their area and leave the rest?
1: Yeah. They'll just keep, they'll build wax, um, around the location. They won't destroy any of the wood or they won't, they're not termites mites or anything. So they can't burrow any farther. All they can do is just take up the space that's there around them and then build out wax and make their comb. And they just build a hive in that. Um, it's hard to say how long those kind of hives are going to live for, but it's kind of fun. And while it lasts, right. It's a story.
0: Uh, is a, that's a great story, man. Like, I would definitely be down for that. I just would need some honey in return because I mean, you can't just let bees live for free. They they, got to pay some sort of rent. That's how, that's my thoughts on it. I agree. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm going to get you some honeycomb.
0: Dude, I definitely will. I'm definitely going to take you up on that because that just,
1: I'll let you go through a hive and cut it out yourself and, and get you through the whole process if you want.
0: Bro. I am so, when do you do harvest?
1: Uh, so I've already done n- about 95% of it. There's just a few of them that are out and about that I'm waiting for them to finish capping it, which is completing the honey. Um, they're, they're, re- they're really interesting because what happens with honey is they'll gather in nectar and then they have to pull out the water content and then they ferment it and they mix it in their gut biome and kind of do all these different little chemical shit to it. They're like little chemists. They're really intricate about the way that they process their honey. Um, and then they cap it up when it's all done and that's how you know that it's finished and ready is when it's fully capped so some bees will take uh, longer some bees will do it quicker depending on the population and but yeah if you this is what I've been doing uh, for the past couple years I'll invite some like little local kids out and they can put a suit on and take a look through a hive and it's a fun little summertime experiment and seeing how they'll like it and learn a little thing and then they can extract some honey for themselves and take it home with them
0: Dude, I'm so down to be a little kid for a day, bro. I'm in. I'm into this. I never had that opportunity. I grew up in the hood. No, I didn't grow up in the hood, but <laughs> um, me. I'm kidding. No, man. That that is super cool, man. And also getting kids interested in where their food comes from and um, that you know you don't just go to a store. There, there's an industry and things like that's that's really cool. That's what this is. That's what we're here for, man. Is to learn.
1: Absolutely. Especially nowadays, like right now, like it's hard for for moms to try to find activities for kids that are like really educational and away from the screen. I think this is a really great opportunity for them to put their phones down for like a day or two and get out in the sun and experiment something real and get their hands on something and something that's alive and play around with it and learn a little bit and get something sweet in return.
0: Yeah, man, absolutely. And one of the things I wanted to kind of ask you is like, how did you get this mentality like you weren't always this way so what 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 was your journey there
1: oh man yeah that's i don't know it's pretty crazy because i grew up in in the city uh playing video games and i was completely addicted my my lifestyle was probably 12 to 14 hours a day just sitting in a chair playing video games and it just wasn't very I mean, it was fun. I loved it, but it just wasn't contributing to anything around me. There was no growth. There was nothing really to do. I was making some money playing games and all that, like a couple thousand dollars. Nothing fancy. It's about ten years ago uh, playing RuneScape and selling RuneScape gold for money. (laughs) It was was stupid. It was fun, but it was so much of a waste of time. I could have done so much more. But it kind of shifted me into that perspective of what am I actually going to do with my life? I was getting older now. And I have a little brother who was, uh, he's 22 now, but at the time he was a lot younger. So I would take care of him. He has cerebral palsy, so he can't walk or talk. Even now, 22, he can't walk. He can't walk. And so I would be taking care of him. He'd be in his wheelchair and I would be sitting next to him in my chair playing video games. And funny story, I decided to take some mushrooms one day. Mm. And that, <laughs> yeah, some some magic mushrooms. Well, there you go. And it sent me on this spiritual journey to realize like it, This is this isn't a game. This world that we're living in right now. Like I was, I went into this mushroom journey expecting like, oh, what kind of anime am I going to see? What kind of cartoon visions am I going to see? You know, and it wasn't anything at all like that. It was very physical, and it was a very spiritual journey for me. And I recognized like, at the rate I'm going, like, who who the hell do you think you are? You're you're a full working body. You have full mental capacity in terms of you can do pretty much anything you want to do if you decided to do something. And yet you're here sitting in a chair right next to somebody who has no ability to go out and meet friends, go out and get something to drink or get some food or just do anything that he wants to. He can't even talk or do something like that. So he like I just felt so ashamed of myself of just wasting my potential, wasting my life away, just doing nothing when I have somebody who's got the cutest smile ever. This kid, this kid is something else. Like even even with the amount of restriction he has, he's still able to smile and he can be happy and all that. And so it's like all right, I need start shifting and doing something that's going to benefit not just him but others like him in general. So over time I started I guess growing up a little bit and figuring out ways that I can give back to the world around me, make the world a little bit of a better place.
0: Dude, uh, that's that's so powerful, man, cuz like that's it sometimes takes medicine like that to snap you out of though like that to to kind of grab you and shake you and say, like, I'm wasting this. You get one shot at life, one shot, and you have so much to be thankful for. Like you have, you can use all of your, your extremities. You have full cognitive function and so many people just waste it. And, and they don't, you know, my big thing is how can I, maximize my genetic potential. Like, how can I be the best? Why am why am I watching TV when I could be reading, when I could be learning? Like I'm and I'm not anywhere near where I want to be, but I try and get a little bit better each day. And um I love hearing stories like that, man. Because like I I mean, I think it's stupid that we outlaw drugs. I mean we've gotten we've come War, drugs have won the war on drugs, you know, especially with everything being legal. But every time I hear a story like that, it makes me smile because there's a right way to use these substances, right? There's no such thing as good drugs or bad drugs. They're simply risk versus reward. And this is one of those great stories. You only hear the horror stories. You don't hear the great stories about drugs, or at least I didn't when I was a kid. Um, but like I, I've seen my, myself too. I've had those same experiences. Um, and I've had a friend that took acid and stopped drinking, got straight A's, changed his life. I mean, it was, it was he walked out out of his room and he announced to the whole house, I know what I have to do now. I know what I have to do. Then he went back into his room and he came out the next day and he's like, I know what I have to do. I had a very uncomfortable trip and I'm fucking up. And I see that now. And I, it just makes me, I mean, I'm happy to know you. Because I, I kind of got that vibe when we first met and kind of talked about you coming on the podcast. I was like, this guy, he gets it. You know, you you're aware, you're awake. You're definitely awake. And there's not a lot of people I feel like today that are awake, that have a clue, that have empathy, that that understand that there's so much more, and that this world is full of mystery. And you know, it was also nice to nerd out with someone that I could send that crazy article about those bees that, um, clone themselves. They don't need a queen anymore. DeMarco, I don't know if you, you might have to pull that up and put that in the show notes, because that's super interesting. But um, no. Go ahead. I, I cut, you cut out there.
1: Oh, that was a fascinating article. And but you're you're totally right though it's it's interesting that the the journey we all go down is it's very different and there's so many people out there i mean it's hard to judge them based because we don't know for sure but it seems like on the surface that they just aren't interested in engaging with the world around them anymore and maybe that's inaccurate and unfair to say because we don't know their the depth of their their personality but it just seems like on on a surface level that our culture does seem to be grading a little bit and just just ejecting ourselves from just engaging in this reality um, curious what you have to say about that like what do you think that's from
0: the the degradation of society and
1: yeah the, the app, just not caring about people around them in, in terms of just treating them like people trying to build up to a better future just trying to basically it's all just for here and today and just YOLO or whatever and party it up
0: that's a that's a that's a good. That's a good question <clears throat> and it's it's going to be probably a long-winded answer. I think I think a certain percentage of it is I don't necessarily know how many people have had good parents. And an example like A lot of people want to talk about white privilege. I I think that's bullshit. Like I, I think that it's real, but I also think that it kind of comes with a little bit of bullshit. I think the best advantage you can have is like twofold. One, to be good looking. And two, to have really, really excellent parents. If you have parents that are in a healthy, it doesn't matter if gay, straight, whatever. If you have two parents that love each other and don't fight and teach you you know, love, respect, and show you how to, I treat a woman or treat a man, whatever, like you have a huge advantage over a giant segment of the population. If you have a parent that has told you about, like my dad told me about retirement from when I was like four years old, you know, like I knew certain things that they weren't going to teach me in school. Like that is a huge advantage is to have two parents that love you. Or one, Any anyone that just loves you and looks at, after you. One is comfort I think that there's a lot of comfort in this world. I think people seek comfort and I think that that's the enemy. I think that when you get comfortable and you haven't been through shit or had anything bad happen to you and then not only that but overcame that, I think that it's also a detriment to you. I we don't have in our society any rites of passage, any anything of that nature. Like you don't you don't just like one day, you know, back in the, the tribal days you you had some task or something to complete to become a man or a woman and we don't have that anymore and we've, we've kind of substituted that with sports I think sports are important competition and also figuring out like that you need to work on things and that you need to try and get better to start or even just compete or learn something and move your body if you don't do that you're kind of fucked too right and you don't have to maybe it's a maybe you're musical but something that that cultivates discipline and grit and if we don't have those things, like you end up being a soft, weak person that has a victim's mentality. That was kind of a long-winded death. So I think that those are certain problems in our society. It's like kind of a, the breakdown of necess- the family unit, right to passage, comfort, and not enough discipline. Hmm. That's um, this is so, <laughs> I'm glad. What are, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, I was gonna say it's very similar along the same lines um, I also think that there's just so many distractions that people just don't really have time anymore to focus on things that are truly important there's it's so easy just to just not do anything or watch TV or do things that may seem like they're they're more fun but they're not sustainable long term because it's it's just more fun like there's oh we're gonna have plenty of time later to fix it or you're gonna live a long time now and it just there's no there's no evolutionary pressure to get things done as expediently as possible, as quickly as possible anymore. Like you said back to the comfort thing, is it's comfortable just to do what you're doing, and there's no reason to push yourself any further if you're living a good life.
0: Yes, and that's, you know, we also have, like, since we live in a, we have the highest standard of living ever in the history of humanity right now, Oh, it's what we it's dope and i love it but one of the things that we used to all we used to worry about was food like one of the the greatest things i love going back and reading old history like i'm obsessed with uh native american culture um i read uh ooh uh uncommon valor or something and i don't know it's the lewis and Clark story and any description of the natives right and how all they worried about was war that i mean food i'm not this is in no particular order but like food was their main concern and they fought wars over resources right and a lot of them starved. People, they starved to death, and that's something that I didn't think about. Right? Even even people on the frontiers starved to death. Starvation was a huge concern, and it's really not one in America. Uh, it's it's not like we had to. We we that used to be our main concern. That was our main focus. Was when's the next meal coming? And now, you know, right, we're concerned whether. Enough we got enough likes on our Instagram post. I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, uh, and and then we have all these conditions, anxiety, depression. I mean, part of it is I think that there's just too much to worry about and think about now, because you know, our main focus isn't on food. We used to have one fucking word like to few. I don't want to get ate by a, a lion or bear or wolves, and I need to eat. And then like. Maybe I need to fuck. Like that was it. That, that was it. Uh, and now there's like a, I got a mortgage, I have two kids. How am I gonna fucking save for that? Do I have enough money to send them to college? Um, is my wife gonna leave me? Uh, do I have a drinking problem? Like there's just, just got so much shit to worry about now, man. They're too much. We're not designed for it. We're designed for it. And that's you're smart. And, and somewhere out there is some guy living by a waterfall has no idea or woman has no idea about the coronavirus and they're just happy man they're just they're just, they're just happy uh, well you got me going dude that that does not happen that's normally a a a john trait right there you got me wound up <laughs> you got me on a rant Good, good. let's solve some problems. Oh, dude, I could solve the world's problem. No, I couldn't solve yeah. the world's problem. I'd, I'd like to. Th- dude, I just fa- figured out that we um we fucking pulled out of Afghanistan today or yesterday or something. It's a
2: disaster, an We're absolute no- disaster.
0: That is enough, John.
2: <laughs> Go ahead.
1: The the, <laughs> the Afghani president fled the country today. <laughs> Fuck. So. There's
2: there's videos on Twitter of uh, like miles long lines of american humvees that are now being driven by afghan military escaping to iran
0: oh that that's not good that's so crazy well De, demarco we will have to maybe do a special
2: uh fireside chat on, the,
0: on that one um but chris I really appreciate you coming on this show my man um, thank you for sharing your knowledge of bees um, if you want let let the listeners know how they can buy your honey how they can support you
1: uh, yeah that's that's a great question um, right now I, I sell out of my honey every year so I'm not at a stage where I'm I'm mass selling honey people but if they have your personal contact they could always contact you and i could probably make an exception for small amounts people who are who you care about and things like that but we are ramping up and uh every year getting more and more honey so in the future there should be ways to uh to get more so
0: i like it he's off the grid no social media no nothing i
1: love it yeah and and if they if if you know anybody who's got there, who wants their kids or something to come check out a beehive and contact you and get a hold of me and we can set that up for a cool summer vacation
0: absolutely dude uh, well i'll be sure to well, what's the name of your beat what's the name of the what's the name of the company
1: the name of the company is undecided I'm not <laughs> not it's it's i don't know
0: it's It's none of your fucking beeswax fam that's what it is (laughs) that's that's the name
2: none of your fucking beeswax that's the name of your brain that's like jeremy clarkson started a farm store on his farm in the cotswolds in england and his uh his bee all of his stuff is named like his uh his bee is called bee or his honey is called bee juice i love that
0: that's (laughs) that's so crazy i love that well chris thanks a lot again man and uh listeners Thanks for listening. Love you guys. Talk to you next week.